respect and admire very much. I think the first time I met him, he was about this tall. <laughs> we were missionaries back in the days. <laughs> Amen. And it's good to see. Amen. Him and his two brothers are United Pentecostal Church ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And they're they're pastoring him and his wife, Sister Christine, and their family. They're pastoring a dynamic church in Mankato. So if you're ever in Mankato, Minnesota, just look them up. Amen. God is opening doors for them there and blessing them. Sister Christina, testify of God's goodness. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Brother Cox, I want you to come and take your liberty in the Lord. God bless you. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? It feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. I like feeling the presence of the Lord. I like to be around people who like to feel the presence of the Lord. Amen? Amen. What a wonderful thing it is to serve the Lord. And uh, he has been, as one of those songs said, he has been so good. Amen to me. And I thank God so much. I was tremendously blessed by God to be born into an apostolic home. Amen. I was born into an apostolic pastor's home. Amen. And my Father and mother gave their lives, amen, to the ministry. My dad, until the day he died, my mom still today, amen, is working for the Lord. And I appreciate the fact, amen, that God is a God who who knows everything we need, when we need it, when we don't need it, how we need it, amen, no matter how we think we need it, amen. He's a faithful God, isn't he? Is he a faithful God that knows exactly what we need? Amen. And so I just appreciate that. And I'm so very happy to be here with you wonderful people and look at what God is doing. And of course, we love, amen, Pastor and Sister Parker and the work that they are doing here. And we are thankful for them in our lives. Amen. I asked him, uh, I don't know how long ago it's been now to, to be the role of a pastor in my life. And uh, my father was my pastor uh, most of my life. And when he passed away, I kind of uh, I was already pastoring by that time myself. And so I was just kind of going forward and then realized, man, I need a pastor. <laughs> we all need a pastor. Amen. Amen. And I appreciate Amen. That he would be willing and his wife would be willing to kind of take us, amen, under their wing. And they have been a blessing already to us in so many ways. And, uh, we were so very thankful, uh, that they invited us to come. I'm glad to have my wife and family, amen, with me tonight. Amen. Zachary is my eldest. Soraya, my oldest daughter. Kaylin, the middle daughter. And my little boy there is Garrett. And, uh, they're excited. They're excited to be here most of all because, uh, Sister Parker has already spoiled them to death. We've only been here for a few hours 
and they walked into a house that was full of goodies every corner that they turned around. There was something more for them, amen, to have and to explore. So if you grab your Bibles and turn with me to the 22nd book of the beginning of books, Genesis, Genesis 22, chapter 22, amen. I, I want to preach what the Lord has laid upon my heart tonight, amen, and I, I know that we're ready to receive that, amen. I want to read several verses of Scripture here. It's a little lengthy, amen, but that way we can just look at it, back at it as we go through the story, amen, beginning with verse 1 in Genesis chapter 22. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, Get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire in the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to a place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called on Abraham out of heaven a second time. And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say amen to the word. Amen. amen. With your help tonight for a little while here, I would like to preach this subject, the fastest way to divine blessing. The fastest way to divine blessing. Can you reach over near to someone and give them a high five? Shake their hand. Tell them they look good in the house of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. You may be seated. God bless you. The fastest way to divine blessing. 
we find at the beginning of this story, and it came to pass that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and Abraham responded, Behold, here I am. Abraham has an established relationship with God. God doesn't have to go looking for Abraham. There's no long discussion or time wasted getting through to Abraham. This isn't like Adam and Eve in the garden where he goes to try to find them and he can't find them. And they're hiding in the bushes and he has to call their name out and search for them. No, this is a whole different level of relationship. Abraham, he says, and immediately Abraham responds, behold, Here I am. There's not even a question mark in the sentence. God is not saying, Abraham, Abraham. No, he's declaring Abraham. And Abraham is declaring back to him, here I am. Oh, hallelujah. I'm thankful that we can have a relationship with the Lord tonight. Amen. That is that quick and that immediate and that close. I strive for a relationship with Jesus Christ that when he calls my name, I hear him immediately and I can respond. Here I am. If you want that, I want if you to clap your hands unto the Lord. And I want to have that in my life. Amen. It's really the stuff. Everybody say the stuff. It's really the stuff in life that gets between us and God. Amen. And we can, we can justify it a thousand ways and I'm guilty of all of that. But in the end, the stuff is often what causes the separation. The Bible says it like this in Matthew 6. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth. Somebody say knoweth. He knoweth that ye have need of all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When God adds to our lives, he adds the things that we need to succeed. I said he adds the things we need to succeed. He's not big on the stuff. He's not big on the stuff that causes separation. But he does. He adds what we need when we seek him. He will give us, hallelujah, what we need. But when we add the stuff, amen, it only brings separation. The collection of stuff is the goal of the flesh, not of the spirit. And we cannot afford to have separation between us and God today. We're living in too late of an hour for God to have to come searching for us. We're living in too dark and desperate of a day for God to have to call out and call out and try to be louder than all of the stuff that is in our lives. It's too challenging of a time, and there's too many pitfalls, distractions, and temptations. Oh, hallelujah. We need to have a relationship. Now, this next part only happens because Abraham has a close relationship with God. Let me say it this way. Sideline believers don't get called up the mountain of sacrifice. Amen. Casual Christians may never experience this. 
Because God doesn't set people up for failure. He doesn't do that. He wants to empower. He wants them to succeed. He wants them to get it. He does not set us up for failure. And so casual Christianity, very, very little do they ever hear the call to climb the mountain of sacrifice. I remind us today, right off the beginning, let me remind you that this story ends with a multi-generational blessing upon Abraham's family. The end of the story, because we have that ability to see the beginning, the middle, and the end. Because you and I today open up this book of wonders and are able to look back through the pages of history and see the whole thing. We know that it ends with a multi-generational blessing. And when we read this story, we can easily be tempted to say, why, why should I serve the Lord if he's just going to put me through this? Why should I serve the Lord if he's just going to ask me for the thing I love the most? Why should I serve the Lord if he's going to call me up some mountain of sacrifice? I, 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 want, I want the still waters and I want the food in the presence of my enemy. I want everything to be good uh, all the time for me. Uh, why should I serve the Lord if this is what it's very about? Abraham has a very strong test here. But the result is what we all really want in life. It's security and blessing in this life. And in that of our present and our future family. Oh, hallelujah. And a future that we are not afraid of. One that is designed and directed by God. Amen. That's what everybody's trying to find. That's what everybody wants. If I could just get some stability in my life. If I could just get some confidence that things are going to work out in the end. We got people all over the world today that they don't know what they're wanting, but what they're really wanting is just a solid foundation under their feet and some stability and their children to be raised in a good way and for things to turn out all right. And here we have a blessing upon Abraham's family that says this is exactly Exactly what is going to happen. But before we get there, before you get to that generational blessing, God did tempt Abraham. Now that phrase means to test or to prove. There is going to be a testing. There is going to be a proving if we are the people of God. Our response determines our level of authority and anointing in God's kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to say it again. I said there is going to be a testing. There is going to be a proving. And how we respond to that testing, how we respond to the call up the mountain of sacrifice, it's going to determine my level of anointing. It's going to determine my level of apostolic authority. It's going to determine, hallelujah, my ministry, my ability to witness, my ability to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, my ability to pray with someone through to the gift of the Holy Spirit, my ability, hallelujah, to open the Word of God and shine the light of truth into someone's life uh, is determined by how, how I respond to the call of the mountain. There are no ministry mountaintops without sacrifice. They do not exist. God knows exactly what he is asking of Abraham. He says, take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah. 
offering for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee. This is not an easy thing for God to ask, because God, who knows all things in all times, in all experiences, is uniquely aware, because John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The God of all time and eternity is uniquely positioned and empowered to know what he is asking of Abraham. So I would say to us tonight, yes, God is testing you. Yes, God is proving you. But no, he is not putting you through anything that he doesn't understand. He's not putting you through anything that you're going to be left alone in. You're not going through any trial. That he's not going to be right in the midst of the fire with you, holding on to your hand and guiding you. I wish tonight somebody would be thankful for a God who is an ever present help. Hallelujah. Even in my time of trouble, he's a God who's always been there. I have never, I have never gone through a trial and turned and seen that my God has abandoned me. Hallelujah. And so he says, your your only son, take your only son and offer him up. The land of Moriah on the mountain, which I would tell you. Now, I don't, I think there might have been a mistake here because there seems to be some verses missing. Because he says that in verse two and verse three, it says, and Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, claved the wood for the burnt offering, rose up and went into the place which God had told him. So in verse 20 in verse 2, God says, take your only son whom you love more than anything in the world and sacrifice him. And in verse 3, it says, and Abraham rose up early. I think maybe somebody left some verses out here. Where's, where's the verses of whining and complaining? I, I'm, I think they omitted some verses where he got mad at God and said, no, I'm not going to do that. Where's the verses where he tries to negotiate a better agreement with God? Where's the verse where he says, uh, I, 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 not my son, but I got some other stuff. I, I could bring some other things up the mountain if you want. I, and, and do I really need to climb the mountain? I mean, that just seems kind of symbolic anyway. Can we just do it down here? And, and really, do we even need it at all? Maybe I could just, you know, give more to something uh, uh, next week. It seems like something is missing here because it's so quick. I mean, he got up early. He got up early. That seems like a sleep-in kind of day to me. That seems like God asked me last night to take the thing I love the most up the mountain and sacrifice it. I think that's that's an alarm clock didn't work kind of day. Oh, I, I think I'm coming down with a little bit of a cold kind of a day. And he says, it says he rose up early. And so instead of all of that stuff that we completely understand, instead we get simple obedience. Oh, hallelujah. Let me just tell you right now, the fastest way to divine blessing is obedience. 
the fastest way to the divine. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not talking about what human beings can get you. I'm not talking about what, what other people can put in your life. But I'm talking about the fastest way to divine God-given blessing is obedience. Somebody say obedience. And Abraham knew something else. He knew that Ab- he knew that obedience was also the fastest way to deliverance. He knew that, okay, I'm being proven right now. And he had learned in his years that this doesn't have to take forever. That I I can be obedient and I can climb the mountain or I can wander around out here and talk about this and drag this whole thing out. But at some point, I'm going to have to climb the mountain. And he knew that the fastest way to deliverance, hallelujah, was just to be obedient to what God was saying. And said, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw a place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young men, abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go. Look at now, yonder and worship. And come again to you. Now, this is the very first mention of the word worship in the Bible. And we we look at this word and we look at its meaning. It means to bow down, to humble yourself in obedience, in reverence. It's an act. It's a physical act of obedience. Everybody say obedience. It's a physical act of obedience. So Abraham had a viewpoint here, hear me now, that was helping him to survive the request. He decided to see the whole thing as worship. Oh, hallelujah. There are times in life when we would help ourselves to survive if we would just choose to make our trial a chance to worship God. If we would just choose our difficulty as another way to worship God. Our sickness as another way to worship God. Our tough time as another form of worship unto God. He says, I've been asked a hard thing by God. And he had learned in his days uh, that to survive that request uh, he just needed to see it as worship it's all in how you see it it's all in how you see it oh hallelujah anything can be worship anything can be worship our pain can be worship oh hallelujah despair can be worship we can be confused and worship God in our confusion Oh, hallelujah. Times of fear, we can worship God. Hallelujah. It can all, it can all be opportunity and it can all be worship. All it takes to make something worship is submission and obedience to God. That's all it takes. Hallelujah. Amen. It's submission and obedience to God. We honor Him when we worship Him. Oh, hallelujah. We honor. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've seen it. I remember growing up. Oh, hallelujah. Good old Brother Fable. Brother Fable, when I was just a little kid, was blown, literally blown up at the place he worked. The building he was in, amen, had an explosion. He was in the building. 
wrestling, and he went from being a very healthy young man to being like 90% blind in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And I grew up in an apostolic church where every single service, they would pick up his wheelchair by one side. Ushers would get around because it was not handicapped accessible. Hallelujah. They would get on each side of that wheelchair, and they would lift him up the steps and try to keep him balanced and get him in, and he would roll to his position. Hallelujah. And he would sit there, and he would worship the Lord. Hallelujah. His worship was mostly just a head nod. His worship was just one arm every once in a while that would start going up, and every once in a while he would tell his wife, roll me up to the front. Oh, hallelujah. And he would worship the Lord. I even seen him one time throw himself out of the wheelchair and fall on his face before the Lord and worship the Lord. And you say, did God ever do the miracle? Not to this day he hasn't. Did God ever heal his body? Not to this day he hasn't. But he's a worshiper. Hallelujah. He's a worshiper. And he's taught a whole generation how to worship God. He showed a whole lot of people what it means to worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I'll never forget. My dad was like six years in to liver cancer, and his body was going very quickly, and his skin was all orange because he had liver cancer, and that's what happens to your body. And he was very sickly and very thin, and he just he kept buying new suits. <laughs> Drove my mom crazy because he would lose more weight. He'd go buy another new suit. Amen. He kept saying, this is the one I'm going to wear at my funeral, and then he would lose more weight. So he'd go buy another their new suit. Amen. And she had to give him all the way after he died. But I remember I got a memory stuck in my head of a service where he got up from the seat that he was sitting in, the church that he had pastored for 30-some years. My brother now pastors, and my dad stood up from the seat that he was sitting in. Hallelujah. And he got out to the edge and holding on to the pew, he started just dancing. Hallelujah to the Lord. He just started worshiping the Lord. He just started praising the Lord. He didn't get healed. Hallelujah. He didn't get delivered. But he worshiped all the way. Hallelujah. Until he crossed out of this world into the next. Hallelujah. There's a thing called worship. It's about obedience. It doesn't matter where I'm at, what I'm going through, how I feel, what's going on in my life. My God is worthy. Yes, 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 yes. Now, what happens next here is, is a great life lesson. There's a tremendous value in here in verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. He laid it upon Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. So... Abraham separates all that is unnecessary from what is necessary to honor God. The wood he needs, the fire he needs, the knife he needs, the sacrifice he needs. But he doesn't need the other boys. He doesn't need the donkey. He doesn't need the supplies. He doesn't need any of that stuff anymore. He gets to the place where he simplifies the situation down 
to obedience. He leaves no room for distraction. Or hear this now. He leaves no room for excuses. The donkey and the other young men, these are living things. So if these other living, breathing things would have been allowed to come up with him on the mountain, in the despair of the moment, he may have looked for a substitute sacrifice. He was supposed to offer his son. But he understood something about himself. He said, if I take anything else up there that's alive, I might not be able to sacrifice my son. I may look at one of them other young boys. I may look at that donkey. I may say, okay, God, I, I did everything you asked. I got all the way up here, but I just can't really believe that you would ask me to sacrifice the thing I love the most. So, so I'm going to give you this instead. But he, being a man of years and of wisdom, he chooses to eliminate the path to disobedience in advance. When he's still down low, before he actually has to do the sacrifice, he thinks ahead and he realizes, I better leave all my distractions down here. I better put away all my excuses down here so that when I get up there, I can do what God told me to do. Oh, hallelujah. How often do we falter and fail to pass the test of God? Test that will lead us into tremendous blessing, into divine blessing. And we do not enter into the divine blessing because we, we kind of plan to fail. God, I know you're asking me to do this. Every time I go to the altar, it seems like you're asking me to do this. You're asking me to sacrifice this thing. You're asking me to be obedient here. You're asking me to do these things. And every time I pray, you're asking me. And every time I worship, you're asking me. And every time I go to church, you're asking me. But somehow it never gets done. Because when I leave the altar, or I leave the prayer closet, or I leave the presence of God, I get away from that a little bit, and I I find reason to justify doing something else other than what God asked me to do. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder how many times, and you'll have to forgive me, but I just truly believe in biblical giving. I wonder how many times God told somebody to give a hundred dollars and they talked themselves into giving ten. I wonder how many times God moved upon someone and said, hey, I own it all. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I can open any door of blessing. I can pour it into your life tenfold, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Hallelujah. So other men given to your blessing. I can do all of that. It's all promise in my word. If you'll give a thousand dollars, it'll happen. How many times? I'm not talking about somebody got up and said it. I'm talking about God told you. You were praying. You were fasting. You were in a service. And God spoke it in your mind. And somehow we justify and say, 
Well, if I give a hundred, that'll still be a sacrifice. Guess what? It will still be a sacrifice, but it will not be a sacrifice that leads you to divine blessing. Amen. I'm talking about a God who says, I want to put a multi-generational blessing upon you, Abraham. I want to do something in your life that's going to bring your family like the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea and the enemy. You will have the gate of your enemies. You won't have to live in fear. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren are going to be taken care of. I just need you to to do what I'm asking you to do. Not something else, but that which I'm asking. Don't offer me something else, Abraham, because if you offer me something else, we're just going to have to go through this again. If you offer me a, a, a donkey, it's going to be all, it's going to feel good in the moment, and you're going to go back down the, with your beloved son. And then you're going to be talking to me tomorrow, and I'm going to say, take your son, your only son, whom you love more than anything in the world, and go to the mountain. And you're going to say, well, God, I thought we already did that. No, we didn't. You offered me something else. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And Isaac, here now, verse 7, Isaac spake unto Abraham his father. Isaac speaks up now. The son speaks up. And he said, my father, I'm good, thank you. My father, and he said, here, my, my son. And he said, behold, I see the fire, dad. I see the wood. I know you always got that knife. But where is the lamb? This is this is the son this is the son saying this isn't my first rodeo here. I've seen you do this a lot of times. You're a man of faith. You're a man of obedience. You're a God-fearing man. I've seen you offer up a lot of sacrifices before, but I've never seen this. We've traveled a long way to offer up a sacrifice on top of a mountain. And I don't see the sacrifice. You know what I find amazing about this? Everything that this already happened in this story, everything we've already talked about and preached about, everything, this interaction with God and Abraham, all of this, and this is the first question that's asked so far. <laughs> the first question. I'm just going to expose my humanity for a second, but I think I would have had a lot more questions from the very beginning. I mean, forgive me for being real for a second, but I think I would have had a, a bunch of questions. First of all, would have been, uh, come again? My who now? I know you didn't say my son. What, what did you say? Take him where? Do what? You know how we ask questions of God when we don't want to do the thing? Oh, I guess I'm the only one. When we don't want to do it, we just keep asking questions like we didn't really understand. My kids kind of do that sometimes. I didn't really, I didn't understand. <laughs> but this is the first question. And of course, of course there's a question here because it comes from the son. 
Because it comes from, from Isaac. The younger, inexperienced son has a question. And guess right? what? It's right for him to have a question. It's right for him to have a question. That's, that, that really, that's part of the whole point of this whole event. This is not just about Abraham. It's also about Isaac. Abraham is proving what he has learned in his life. Isaac is just starting to learn. Oh, hallelujah. So this test is really for both of them. Abraham, no questions, immediate responses, doing what God asked because he's learned along the way that the fastest way to divine blessing is obedience, that the fastest way to deliverance is obedience. And so he just, I'm waking up in the early morning and let's get this thing over with. My God's going to take care of me. But the boy, he hasn't been through these many experiences yet. He hasn't had all the longevity. He hasn't had all the experiences with God. And so, of course, he has some questions. It's right for him to have some questions. Oh, hallelujah. The older must answer the questions of the younger. They must. Oh, hallelujah. God help us. God help us if we're not answering the questions of the younger. God help us if people show up with questions. And we don't understand why they would ask such questions. That we would forget, hallelujah, that there were days when we didn't understand about the mountain. There were days when we didn't even know what the voice of God sounded like. There were days when God had to come find us uh, and say, now listen, when I call your name, I need you to respond. Uh, you keep wandering off and i got to look for you. And that's not a good way to live. Uh, we've all got life experiences uh, that prove uh, that God is merciful and long-suffering. Uh, and he comes and he finds us. And he helps us through the difficult times. And we ought to be witnesses. Hallelujah. We ought to be living example testimonies to the next generation that you can trust the Lord. You can trust the Lord. He's going to come through for you. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord, everybody. Because each generation will be tested. It does us no good. To pass tests, but not teach the next generation how to pass the same test. We cannot progress. We cannot grow and we cannot progress past uh, the things that we have accomplished. Uh, and we make every coming generation behind us learn everything the hard way. Oh, Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I started off this message by telling you uh, and declaring before God that I have been tremendously blessed in my life because I was born into an apostolic preacher's home. Hallelujah. And I had uh, a wonderful mother and father. And I had two older brothers. Uh, and my first older brother was the first one to make a decision to go to Bible college. Uh, and my second brother followed him. Uh, and I followed him. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, my oldest brother was the first one to declare he was going to give his life to the ministry. And my second brother followed him, and I followed after him. But I tell you this tonight, there were some paths that my daddy blazed that I didn't have to blaze myself. There were some trails, hallelujah, that were laid out in front of me that I could just walk on. They didn't force me to climb up everything, tear down everything, cut down everything. Hallelujah. I was able to curve in the ways of my forefathers that they had taught me. 
me that they had shown me. I have the blessing of not having to learn everything the hard way because I had someone that went before me and then turned around and said, this is the way. You don't want to go that way. You don't want to go that way. That's all dead end and despair. This is the way that you want to go. And while I am very aware that the Isaacs of the world will always be tested, that they definitely have to pass their own proving grounds and their own tests, I am also aware that we can help them tremendously by exemplifying them what it means. And so his answer to his son is one of just wisdom. It comes from understanding his God. He says in verse 8, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. For a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. God will provide himself a lamb. You see the wisdom in that answer? Because God's the one that gave him Isaac. God's the one that gave him Isaac. They weren't supposed to have Isaac. Right? But God gave him a precious gift. He provided Isaac to them. So his answer is one of wisdom. It's not manipulation. It's just wisdom. God will provide. He's saying that I know one thing for sure. Whether I have to go through with this or whether God does something different, that thing which gets sacrificed today will have been God provided. Oh, hallelujah. He will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. God always provides the sacrifice. I want to remind somebody here tonight because I feel like in a few moments when we respond to the preaching of the word that God may speak into some people's lives personally and into your lives, into your hearts. And he may be, he may call for something. He may ask you for something that's important to you, that you love. I need to remind you that God always provides the sacrifice. The James 1 says, Do not err, my beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Everything was made by him. John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So I'm telling you now in advance uh, that whatever God asks you for tonight, uh, it came from Him in the first place. I just, I just need you to remember before we come to the altar and pray that whatever God asks you to take up to the mountain and whatever God puts on your life as a form of sacrifice, uh, and it could be one of a million things, uh, please don't box yourself into anything. Uh, let God speak to you. Uh, but I just want to remind us uh, that no matter what it is uh, and no matter how precious it is to us uh, and no matter how confused we may be, uh, that God would ask us for it. Uh, Everything came from him first. Everything. 
Abraham knew that, and Isaac was about to learn that, God always provides the lamb. It's what we do with it that determines if it's a sacrifice or not. God always provides it, but it's up to us to sacrifice it. It doesn't become a sacrifice until we're obedient. We don't get divine blessing until we're obedient. Hallelujah. Abraham does not abandon the journey. He does not deter from his purpose. But now it says this, and I find this to be very powerful. I love it. Now it says this, and they both, after that little conversation, dad and son, wisdom being passed with the help of the Lord. After that conversation, it says, now behold, they went both of them together. That phrase simply means united. From that point on, they were united. Isaac didn't know what was really happening until that point on. Isaac wasn't aware of the level, hallelujah, of sacrifice. Isaac wasn't aware of what God was trying to teach him and teach his daddy. Amen. And he may not have completely even understood at that moment what was happening, but he was in unity with his father. Hallelujah. He was trusting in Abraham and in God, and daddy's God was becoming his God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm preaching to some people in here tonight that got kids, that got grandkids, that got people that are not your kids, but you're a father figure, mother figure, you're a figure of some sort in their life. And I've come to remind you right now that there is a thing that needs to take place, and that is we've got to get the next generation to a position where our God becomes their God. This is not just about what we've done. This is not just about what we've accomplished. This is about what we pass on to the next generation. And what they pass on to the next generation, at some point, Daddy's God has got to become Isaac's God. Hallelujah. Has to happen. Has to happen. Oh, hallelujah. And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. They bound Isaac, his son laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out on the, of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Woo! Here am I. I'm right here. Same response as in verse 1. I'm right here, God. I'm still right where I'm supposed to be. I'm still doing exactly what you asked me to do. I'm still in a place of obedience. You don't have to go looking for me. He's got the knife in his hand. Knife is in the air. His son is looking him in the eyes. The thing he loves the most. The thing that's the most precious to him. He's gazing into his eyes. And the knife is in his hand. He's at the point of no return because he's a man of obedience. He's eliminated all of the excuses. He's got rid of all the distractions. And now it's just him and the sacrifice. 
And he lay, raises it in the air. And he hears the voice of the angel. Abraham! Something, something in that text. It, it, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm stretching it a little. But something in that text causes me to think that the angel almost is afraid that Abraham's gonna be so obedient that this is gonna happen so quickly. He says, Abraham! Abraham! It says it twice in succession. Abraham! Abraham! Stop! Because he's so obedient. He's so willing. And he knows. He's learned the fastest way. The divine blessing. The fastest way to get what God is wanting to give me through this. I don't know what it is. He doesn't even know what it is that God is wanting to do. But he's learned. I just got to get through it. And then God will show me what he's trying to do. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Lord. I'm right here. Doing what you asked me to do. And he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad. Don't do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, him a ram caught in a thicket by the thorns. But I'll remind you that there's another set of ears and another set of eyes that are hearing the words of the angel and seeing the ram in the thicket. There's another set of ears that are hearing the angel say, Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son from me. There's another set of eyes that tilt over to the side and see that a ram miraculously now is on the mountaintop and caught in the thicket. There's another generation, hallelujah, that's hearing the words of the Lord and understanding this is how this works. If I'll be obedient, Even when it seems crazy, God will provide himself a lamb. And then he hears this. Think about this from Isaac's point of view. Then he hears the Lord say, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I'm going to bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed, hallelujah, he's talking to Abraham, but Isaac is laying on the altar. He's talking to Abraham, but his seed is laying on the altar. He's talking to Abraham, but Abraham's children and Abraham's great-grandchildren are all, hallelujah, laying on the altar, hearing the voice of the Lord when he says, Thy seed shall possess the gate of thy enemy. And in thy sea shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice, because you did what I asked you to do, exactly how I asked you to do it. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, everything's going to work out all right. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Stand your feet and clap your hands under the Lord, everybody. Come on, stand your feet and clap your hands and lift your voice.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We read it over and over and over again in Scripture. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob becomes Israel. And Israel becomes us. Let me tell you tonight, you and I are walking in a blessing. I'm telling you, we're standing here tonight in this building in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and we're standing here in a blessing that was proclaimed on top of a mountain. Hallelujah. All those generations ago, there was a voice out of heaven that declared that I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them. Their enemies are not going to overtake them. They're not going to be destroyed. They're not. <laughs> I'm going to keep my hand upon them. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to fight their battles. I'm going to go before them. Even in the presence of their enemies, they're not going to have any trouble because I will be with them. We're still living in a blessing that was paid for on a mountain all those years ago because a man named Abraham said, I will be obedient. Lift your hands and begin to talk to the Lord right now. Lift your hands and begin to talk to the Lord. Come on, go ahead and cry out to the Lord a little bit. Go ahead and cry out to the Lord a little bit. Go ahead and cry out to the Lord a little bit. Hallelujah. The fastest way. The fastest way to divine blessing. To the things that only God can do and only God can give. The fastest way is obedience. It's obedience. Hallelujah. I wonder if we couldn't come to this altar tonight. I wonder if we couldn't come to the front of this building and pray. I wonder if we couldn't come forward and let God speak to us a little while here. I know it may be challenging. I know it may be difficult. I know you may not want to come because you already know what God is going to ask you for. I know you may have heard him ask for you to give it before. He may have asked you to sacrifice it before. He may have asked you to lay it on the altar before, and you haven't done it yet. Oh, I'm telling you tonight, if you'll just give God what he's asking of you, you will not be forsaken. He will provide himself a lamb. He will come through for you. He will show up in the midst of your toughest day. He will take care of you. If we'll just be obedient to what God has for us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah.